Hello, and welcome to the Bliss Smith Podcast. My name is Katie Smith, and here you will learn ways to find, forge, and follow your bliss by hearing stories from people like you on overcoming obstacles, diving deeply into passion, investing in yourselves and others, and uniting in gratitude to celebrate every last joy. I can't wait for you to listen. I don't start all my podcasts like that. Um, Hello, Noel. Thank you so much for coming today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. um, Setting the the stage for everyone. We are on a Zoom chat uh, from San Francisco to Nashville. Uh, So the Zoom has made this very easy for us to across the country hang out and talk about amazing things. (laughs) I'm so happy about. Um, Noelle, I would love for you to share a bit about yourself before we dive in. Sure. So um, my name is Noelle Johnson. I'm a career coach and I'm also the owner of a diversity and inclusion business. Um, So my background is, well, you know what, let me actually start with who I am, (laughs) really. So I spent most of my career in operations and I was working at a pest control company, which is as fabulous as you can imagine, but I was working (laughs) in operations there. And I was one of those people that just really enjoyed complaining about my job. It was like my most favorite thing was to complain about customers, to complain about, you know, the day to day, like that was my favorite uh, thing to do. But I really wasn't happy. Um, I was always finding something negative and just about everything. It just became a part of my personality. Uh, and after a while, I started getting really sick about four years into that position. And I started feeling really ill as having trouble speaking. Um, and we come to find out that I had a brain tumor. I needed to have brain surgery and completely shifted my entire life. So I went from somebody who just enjoyed complaining all the time to somebody who just needed to find a way to make an impact onto other people in the best way possible. So I left that job because I wasn't getting anything out of it. And I started to go into nonprofit work because I wanted to be a part of something that was making a big impact in the world. So I worked with all these great tech nonprofits that were making a huge difference. Um, And that led me to career coaching because I noticed when I would get a resume and I would get this wonderful woman in front of me, like I would get this great resume from her and then I get to the interview and I'm like, what happened? And I noticed that women, when we interview, we tend to Uh, downplay who we are and all the things that we can bring to the table. So I was looking online for some resources that would be helpful and I couldn't really find anything for women that are in that mid range level. So I thought, you know, I'll just be the person that's in that space. And I started my interview buddy and that took off right away. And I've I've been um, doing my interview buddy for two years. Um, I've also been doing some career coaching for next gen T, which is a, uh, IT bootcamp company. And recently I started a diversity and inclusion company with my sister who is a, uh, she's a strategic uh, transformation um, specialist. So lots of things on the plate, which is exciting. It's like all aligned with what I love doing. Like I'm on fire for what I get to do every day. And I'm in a place now where I'm telling other people, you do not have to stay where you don't feel valued. You don't have to wait until you get a brain tumor to say, I don't actually want to do this anymore. And I want to live a life where I'm not living in complaint. I don't want to be a part of that 70% that don't enjoy what they do for work. And you can find something that really lights you up. That's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, I mean, it's, it's an incredible story. And for those listening, Noel and I have only recently met and started to get to know each other. And I just, have our we I, we already have a great connection and I just have so much respect for what I'm learning about you and I'm mm. already a giant fan. Uh, <laughs> Feeling it's so mutual. <laughs> and um it's so interesting um if we could continue on discussing the brain tumor for a moment because yeah. I, I think about this a lot with 
being motivated to go for something and, and you always know like, oh, well, I really want to be this, or I really want to be that. And then life gets in the way and it's excuse, excuse, excuse. And you hear many people go, the moment I realized that it was time to live my life was when I had you mm-hmm. know, 60 days to live or mm-hmm. when I experienced this trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what advice do you give to people when, when you say, you know, you don't have to wait to have a brain tumor to like live your best life. Like what mm-hmm. advice do you have for people to really make that real and to, mm-hmm. to take that to heart? I think that that feeling that you have inside of yourself that you need to do more, that is just your calling to just go ahead and do it. So when we're ignoring that feeling of that discomfort of this is not right, I don't feel aligned, you have to take some kind of an action. And that doesn't necessarily mean quitting your job and moving to Bora Bora, but it could mean that you start implementing little things into your life to start to find your inner happiness. So Maybe it's spending some time uh, learning how to meditate better. Maybe it's um, taking a new cooking class. Maybe it's just learning something that you've always wanted to learn, but taking a step towards something that's going to bring you some joy, it's never a waste of time and will always lead you towards your ultimate bliss. Like it's going to show you where you need to go to just find that inner joy. So that's what... um, that's definitely what I suggest to do. It doesn't have to be something that's dramatic to happen. You just have to listen to that feeling. Your gut knows what's up and you just listen mm-hmm. to it and say, I, I don't want to continue this anymore. Or I, I just, I need something more. Listen to that voice. I like that. Your gut knows what's up. It really does. Yeah. It never lies. <laughs> it doesn't. I, um, I've always wanted speaking of entrepreneurship, I've always wanted to make a t-shirt company of like all the ridiculous things that we all say that just really hit it. And that would be a t-shirt. Your gut knows what's up. There's so many things I want to put on a t-shirt. That would be a good one. It's yep. true. It does. So good. <laughs> um, so you are, what I've learned very quickly are just like an entrepreneur at heart. Like you find an opportunity to fix something or make something better. And it's like, boom, like we've joked before, you know, I have like eight jobs. Um, And so where does that come from? Is that like, did you always know you were an entrepreneur or yeah, how did that manifest? Not not at all. It was so funny. Um, I was kind of, I mean, my, my parents always thought that I was smart and I was capable of doing a lot, but they were like, you're somebody that would do best if you married somebody that was well off. Um, oh, it was kind of just like, I just kind of like accepted mediocrity when I was very young for no reason at all. I just like to stay right in the middle. I was like, why am I going to school every day if I'm still going to be able to graduate? Like, I just didn't see the point of putting through a lot of effort. Like that was kind of who I used to be. Um, so it wasn't until I was actually on a call with somebody just talking about, um, what to do in my career. And I was giving her all these different ideas of what I was thinking of. And she said, Oh, Noel, you're an entrepreneur. And I was, mm, yeah, I think you're really confused. That doesn't really mean like I work in the background. I'm in operations. That's what I do. And she's like, no, like you should really pursue a business. Um, my father is an entrepreneur. Um, he's always had a business, um, working in, uh, software, um, development and engineering. And my mom has had, uh, you know, some things that she's done on the side too. And now she owns her own nonprofit. So there's definitely been, um, with my parents, some history of entrepreneurship. I've had, um, great aunts and uncles that have been business owners. So it's something that isn't foreign to me, but it didn't really set out, feel like it was me until I started doing the work, until I started working with people one-on-one and seeing that I can help somebody transform and I didn't have to do it through my job. I just didn't know that was something that was available to me. I thought that you had to be very, very smart. And I just didn't feel like I was smart enough. I was like, oh, that's for people that have a ton of degrees. That's not me. And then I realized, oh no, I actually have, what I think is so um, easy that everybody knows it. Not everybody knows that. I didn't know, I didn't even realize it. Like, just like I spend so much time talking to people about LinkedIn and they're like, oh yeah, no, I didn't even know that was, that's how you're supposed to use it. I'm like, what? This information's ever like I just thought everybody knew it. And like if I can tell you something that's gonna help you find a new job or it's gonna help you make more money or if it's gonna make your work environment more equitable, like 
yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And that's so true. And I find I go through this too, where, uh, as you know, I'm like working on my own best life and building a business. Um, and you know, the podcast is certainly a part of that. Um, but I find myself in, uh, like perfection paralysis. I just made that up. I probably didn't yeah. make it up. It just, Analysis paralysis. Is that what I've heard. Yeah. Yes, for <laughs> sure. And, and it's like, um, part of it, the excuse I always come back to is like, I don't know enough to offer value. Mm. So like, I'm not, I don't have a PhD in X topic. So, and there's probably someone else out there that's going to like hit, knock it out of the park. Um, and it's just so interesting that, um, once you start, uh, speaking out loud, your ideas and thoughts, people find it amazing and want more of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great that you found that. Yeah. And, and I think that it's just realizing, um, I, I have a friend that has a PhD and I was talking about me feeling like that I didn't have enough credentials behind my name to own my own business. And she said, do you know how many people I know with a PhD who are, are not that smart, who like, they just, they were able to, you know, get through their program, but on day-to-day stuff, on the stuff that you're talking about, like, that's not a place where they're strong. Everybody has their strengths and it doesn't necessarily need to come through uh, receiving a degree. So when I heard that, that helped me kind of let it go. And then also remembering there was a time where I was a little girl and, and I was trying to work with my brother on, on getting, um, um, raking leaves. And like, we had like a little raking leaves business, but like I was on the background doing all the little things to make sure that things moved, moved really smoothly. And that was all operations. Right. And that was <laughs> what I was doing in my career. But as somebody who was an executive assistant for a while, I got to work right next to these amazing CEOs and really brilliant CEOs and like seeing what they were doing great and where they were failing. And I was able to see, oh, okay, that works, that doesn't work. And I was able to get this whole education through supporting these business owners and getting the inside scoop of what the real deal is with trying to like 5X, 10X your business. Wow, that's great. I the exposure and just like listening and watching and learning. I don't think we realize how much that impacts like our ability to offer so much value. Absolutely. Yeah. Our experience really holds a lot of weight. How do you, um, how do you validate that? So, you know, you know, the skills that you offer, I know the skills that I offer. How do you, socialize them in a way that makes you go, yep, I'm on the right track. Hmm. So what do you mean by how do you socialize them? I guess like, um, like your example with the, um, with your friend that said like, not everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you like get more examples of that? So you're like, Ooh, yes, I am offering value. Oh yeah. Um, so for me, it, I, I kind of had to hear it from, from clients. Like I kind of just needed to dig in, um, and start offering advice for free. Right. So I was doing that a lot really for years and I was giving a little bit advice here and this is with the career company and I was seeing, Oh, okay. You know, like when I was getting all these like, thank yous, Oh my gosh, your advice helped me get a job. I'm like, okay. I might be onto something. And then when I was ready to start my business, I said, okay, well, I'm going to do one, uh, free coaching session and we'll see what happens. And that person started off the conversation with me saying, this is the job that I want. And I listened to her and I said, everything that you're telling me tells me that you don't want this job at all. And she's mm-hmm. like, what? And I was like, you want something where you're making more money, where you have, where you can do this and you can do that. And that is not that job. You're underselling yourself. And then she went for a job that she had no idea that she would be able to get. And then she was like making twice the amount of money that she would have been if she went for the other job that she originally started talking to me. So like me saying like, you know, what I was able to realize, oh wait, I'm kind of onto something here because I could have just, you know, given her the advice and sent her on her way and tell her to do this resume. But I was able to say, listen and and see what was really going on and get through all the BS and say, okay, that's Mm -hmm. actually what your thing is. Um, So that really helped me see what was going on. And then seeing her get a result was enough for me to say, 
let me start investing in this. That's great. What also comes up for me with hearing that is you are good at holding people accountable. And I think that's like also a sign of knowing your shit because it's like, Hey, like I hear you and I could take the avenue of like doctoring up your resume and moving on. But because I know what I'm doing, I'm going to actually hold you accountable to hold yourself at a higher standard or go after what you really want, which I think is so cool to be able to exercise that. Yeah. I mean, with everything that I'm doing right now, everything is about working someplace where you feel like you're valued. Um, so I work on one side with, um, with helping people in their careers, like find these jobs, but if I can help companies be a place where people are excited to come into work then that's a win. So even mm-hmm. though they feel like very separate things, like it all comes together because this is, we spend more time at work than we do anywhere else. So why would we be some place that we don't feel any joy and we just feel like I just need to get I just need to get this paycheck if that's the only thing positive I can get out of this job then I need to spend my time somewhere else because that's you know I I'm missing out on time with my family I'm missing out on time to um, pursue other things that make me happy like this is something that is it could be a total time suck or it can enrich me like which one am I going to choose you know right yeah and it should be all about the stuff that enriches Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that every day can be roses, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're if you're not on a path that's aligned to where you want to be, uh, it's time to make a shift. Yeah, and Paul and I spoke about that uh, in the last one too. Also, you know, you got to do it um, fills you up, and we all know that like not everybody has the same privileges in the same way to to find that joy in the same way. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'd love to maybe use that as a segue to, to your diversity and inclusion work about Mm -hmm. how you help people recognize, um, how how to include people and, and allow that space for people to follow their bliss, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I love this work. We started, um, Johnson square consulting, um, me and my sister after the George Floyd murder. And we were just, we were talking about it and I was getting really angry on social media. And then I realized that that wasn't really serving me. Um, I wasn't getting me what I wanted and I was just getting angrier and angrier. So what I decided to do was to go into Facebook groups where there was um, people, especially women, like looking to do something better than where they were. And I would just go on and do like a Facebook live. I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. Let me talk to you about allyship. Let me talk to you about what you can do that will be supportive as opposed to before when I was getting my inbox flooded with people saying, can you educate me? And that was just like driving me nuts. Like this gave me an opportunity to go into different groups and just talk about it. And then what was so interesting to me was I was getting paid by people. So I was just sharing what I knew and I was hearing, Hey, um, you know, your emotional labor has cost it has value i've and let me venmo you something and then when i had hundreds of people sending me money just for my um me sharing my stories i was like this really means something so i had spent a lot of time working in diversity inclusion i used to be a cultural director um, a culture department director um and my sister has worked on chain stories and strategic transformations for a really long time for businesses so we've been in this work for a while and i was always bouncing ideas off her when i was writing about diversity inclusion for power to fly and a few other places so we decided to just come together and 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 use the knowledge that we've already been implementing in, in our um, in our careers into helping businesses. And it's just been such a great fit. As soon as we got started, we ended up booking people right away because they just knew there was something that needed to shift. We actually started off by first writing a piece about if you haven't already issued a statement after all of this racial unrest, it's not too late and you can you need to take a step now but this is what you can say so it's like how to form the right words and being able to say you know i don't even know what to say saying you don't know what to say is better than saying nothing so that's um that's how we kicked it off and people were just so interested and they said they they wanted to work with us i was like all right let's get this llc let's make this happen because i mean companies hold so much power over 
really so much of the world, right? So they control a lot of what's going on here in the media, right? So when they are helping shape uh, so many different biases that we have because of representation and what's going on and, and um, where we spend so much time, if these places were more inclusive, if they were more diverse, if they were more equitable, what difference would that make out into the whole world? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of what kind of representation will they have more of in the media when they're more cognizant of this is what I need to do more of? Um, when businesses make their boards more diverse, they're able to put out better messaging. They're able to shift on what they do with technology and what they get to do with with finance and you know and where they place their money and 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 making sure that um, marginalized communities are supported. And this all happens from these big corporations that have a lot of money, um, they get to make these decisions. So if we can help empower them to do the serious work it takes, and not just that check the box diversity training that we've all gone to, where it's like, hey guys, we have to talk about diversity today. And you're like, ah, man, no, like it really (laughs) has to be dynamic and it has to be something that people feel like they can take outside of the office um, or it doesn't work. So that's just, it's definitely been been lighting us up and, it feels like everything has kind of been leading to this. It's been amazing. Yeah. And, and like you said, we spend the most part of the biggest part of our lives at work. And so if you have a culture at work that is consistently co- displaying, you know, true inclusion and best practices around equity and diversity, that's, that's I wouldn't say half the battle, but a huge part of the battle because you're just constantly being exposed to it. Yeah. And on the flip side of it, when companies don't do it, it is so toxic and it's so hard to come in. And I can say as a black woman that worked in an office that was like that, you know, I was doing all these initiatives to help with racism and um, came in and made an announcement. It's like, these are the things that need to get changed. And I was unfortunately let go from that position. And then almost every person of color was um, let go to follow Um, and stuff like this happens all the time Mm -hmm. and is so discouraging, but then you have this, and I'm actually writing a book about it. Um, that's like coming like way down the, of course I'm writing a book. Um, (laughs) I know, but there's this whole thing about like, there's, um, we hear about toxic work environments, but it's like there's gaslighting at work where you go into work and you're like, am I losing my mind or is this place hell on earth? Like, was this thing wrong? Nobody else seems to be experiencing that. And a lot of it because happens because of fear. So if we're able to kind of talk through that and people are able to come to diversity um, inclusion trainings and say, hey, I'm really uncomfortable with this. Um, Or we have a diversity and inclusion um, committee and there is one person of color on it. What is going on? Like Mm -hmm. to be able to say that takes some bravery. And if we know that companies are listening to that, they're being receptive of it and they're making some shifts, it makes such a huge difference. Huge, absolutely. Um, You know, and I think for, for better or for worse, um, the the events of this year have made it across the board just unacceptable to check the boxes uh, around this, right? And and I can see with my own company and and those around me um, that there is a more concerted effort. And it's like conversations like these. You hope in the work that you're doing with your um, your new business, it's that consistency. It's like, this isn't a checking the box exercise. This is Mm -hmm. practicing the way that we work and treat each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, starting off with a workshop is great, but people need to see that that, that the actions are taken after the workshop Mm -hmm. um, or after whatever the training is, or after you send out a message supporting a community, they really need to be able to see it in the day to day. And if they don't, you know, it's troubling and people need to be able to call out it in, in their you know, bias in their own leadership teams, which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. But if that stuff goes unchecked, you can never really grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm so excited for the work that you're doing and I know that you've picked up speed on it and you're getting a lot of traction and that's so fantastic. Thank you. Um, And so it's Johnson squared. 
Mm -hmm. Johnson Square Consulting. Great. And it specifically is around diversity and inclusion. Yes, diversity and inclusion. And we do um, a big focus on unconscious bias and microaggressions. Um, and so we work with, um, we do workshops. We also work with companies one-on-one -on -one to do mediation or work on messaging. Um, and we also work with them on helping their, you know, if they have a new diversity team, since a lot of companies are like, okay, let's get a diversity committee set up. But then like, now what would you do? So we've been helping companies with that as well to help them see the steps and what they need to take to make that, um, to make things stick. Something like 75% of diversity diversity inclusion initiatives from businesses don't work. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is because the right structures aren't put in place. So we help with that. That's great. I'm so excited to see how it continues and hopefully people listening will hit you up. Um, yeah. and you know, cause the world needs more of that, that investment. Um, yeah. I was gonna, yeah, of course I was going to pick up on something you said earlier because it triggered like another thought around like, especially being a woman, um, when you started getting, uh, money from your guidance online, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that felt amazing, but I, I think that it's so interesting that it's such a weird notion that we would get paid for our value sometimes like we forget oh, that that's what why we're here uh, I mean of course it's to make impact and I genuinely mean that but mm -hmm. if we're offering a, a service or a value or of something that impacts someone else we should friggin' be paid for it oh um, yeah Absolutely. I mean, this is the first time I think really in history that there's been this whole movement of your experiences have value. Let me pay you. And I was very resistant to it at first. Like the first person that's like, what's your Venmo? I was like, we're good. I gave you advice. Like, just like, don't be racist. Okay, cool. And then, <laughs> um, and then advice, don't be racist. And she said, you know what? No, I am tired of benefiting off of free black labor. I'm not doing it anymore. I refuse. And I was like, well, that was very intense. Let's do it. So once I got comfortable with it, it definitely made a, a big change. But I had this problem when I started my interview buddy and I was just, you know, trying to price things out was ridiculous. It was like pulling teeth for me and people are dying to give me money. And I'm like, well, you know, $15, I guess is like fine. I don't, I don't, it took me an hour. I don't really know because it just wasn't really seeing the value because it came so easy to me. It seemed unfair to charge for it. Mm -hmm. But then when you start taking a look, you do the market research and see what other people are starting to charge for the same background as you. And you go, okay, yeah, I'm really undercharged. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. And, and you just get that. Um, it's so funny because with pricing, it's like, it, it really is a feeling and you just know like, mm, that doesn't really feel right. You can really like pull a number out of anything. I was reading about this woman who has a, um, a coaching business on, I forgot whatever it was like, just like standard business coaching. And it was, um, like $15,000 a month. And I was like, Whoa, that is a lot. Like, how do you get to a place where you even think of those numbers like it was so unheard of for me and at the first thing I felt was judgment I was like how dare she charge that much and I'm like wait a minute I don't know her story I don't know what the value is there like it could really be worth three times that much I really don't know and I do that to myself all the time where I take a price for something and I just put it down with my um with the diversity inclusion business for example I was working with um with my sister on a pricing for something and I was like oh, okay well I think maybe like five thousand dollars or that sounds right and she goes yeah no like yeah we're doing a ton of work I'm like yeah we are okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, um, it's just, it's just the little things and, um, and just trying to understand, uh, the worth and the amount of work that needs to go into something and that you don't, you know, if you want to elevate your life, you can't do it for peanuts and you can't do more for more people if you can't get yourself to another level. Yeah, we, um, we both are part of a like business developing group. Um, BBD business by design. 
James mm-hmm. Wedmore. Just give a little yeah. shout out. Maybe he'll sponsor my podcast. Who knows? I'm Why always, not? I'm always trying <laughs> to get sponsorship because it's just me in my second bedroom. Um, <laughs> but it, in that, and it like hit the huge light bulb because I'm always, you know, oh, I, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to make impact. And, and that is great, but it's, we deserve to be paid for what the work that we're doing. And one thing that he said that really resonated was um, more money equals more impact. So if I have more money uh, at my disposal, I can scale how many people I'm helping. And Absolutely. for me, I was like, that's a nice bridge for me. That's a nice bridge to go, okay, I'm going to demand what I'm worth because it feels um, like that means I can help more people. I shouldn't need that. I shouldn't need that carrot. But yeah, no, but it's it's true. And then it's like, as you continue to grow, when I started hiring people and seeing the difference that it was making for them to be able to bring like the people that were for me, all part-timers, but it's additional money that makes a big difference for them. And I try to be a really good boss and make sure that thing, you know, I'm flexible, um, but I'm giving them something that they really need so that they can impact um, more people when they have more. Um, and you know, I'm a big believer that who are you not to, right? So, you know, who are you not to, um, go for your dreams and make a big impact on people. You're taking something away from others. If you just decide, you know, well, who am I to, who are you, who are you not to do this? We, we need you. So please just like get on it. Yeah. And I, in the last couple of weeks, I think we've each held a mirror up to each other in some way. And last time yeah. it's my turn with the mirror on my face and it's like Katie what are you waiting for someone mm-hmm. out there needs you to tell them this you know or help them in this way and yeah who am I not to do that yeah That's and so rude of me exactly it really is and when you devalue your services and you price things down too low you're telling people this isn't actually going to be that great you know this isn't something that I need to put a lot of value in because if she's not putting a lot of value in her own service, then like, this isn't for me. I noticed that when I increased the prices on some of my services that I started getting more serious clients. Mm. Um, when I, I, I was trying to do something uh, for COVID where I said, you know, I'll do, and I still have it available, but I have had no buyers on it. And it's just been a pay what you can coaching. Mm-hmm. And that made people so uncomfortable because they're like, I don't know, like maybe I only have $30. Is she going to freak out if I only give her that? Like, do I give her 300? Like, I don't really know what to do. So like when things are just loose, people feel really uncomfortable. Um, and I see this happen with women in business all the time where they'll say, um, you know, well, what, well, what's your budget? Like, what do you think that you can do? And they just like want that person to tell them the price. Um, my, um, my editor who's amazing, um, I'll be like, hey, can you just add on a rush fee for that? Um, because I asked you at the last minute. And she goes, well, how much do you want that to be? I'm like, baby, it's your business. You tell me, you know? And I just like, and I keep doing that to her. And it drives her like up the wall. But I'm like, you just really need to think, um, you know, it's your, you're placing your own value on, on your services. You already see that I value you. I'm not going to lose it over... Um, over a couple of bucks, like you just tell me what you need me to do. And, you know, I want to support your business. So let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. I, that's so great. It's, um, and you know, it's women supporting women. Like we all, uh, need each other to say like, Hey, no, tell me what, tell me what you want and I will pay it because I think that you are a boss lady. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so important that we're just, that we're honest with each other. I think it's really important that we talk about money. It's so weird. And it was definitely set up that way on purpose so that we can't grow. Like we stay where we are if we can't have honest conversations about money. So when we can open up and like talk about our salaries and we talk about what we're doing in sales and we talk about, um, you know, what our, our revenue goals are and all of that, it really opens us up to true conversations and it lets us, I mean, this is how we build generational wealth is by having 
deep conversations about money and women uh, feel so uncomfortable about this because we're told, Oh, it's not polite. Well, not being polite isn't getting us rich. So <laughs> let's talk about that money. Um, like I have, uh, I'm in a, a group of moms who are working on their, um, on their financial intelligence. And I was like, you know, I would love to be at this level. Like who is making this amount and more and how did you get there? And there was somebody that I've been talking to for like five years and I had no idea she was a millionaire, zero ideas. I don't think, yeah, tell me everything. What? This whole time? Come on, let's talk about it. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. And there's, I know that we're told we can't talk about it, but we can really learn so much, um, things that we shouldn't do and things that we can try, um, that we are ignorant of until we start having these, com- these types of conversations. And some things seem like they're so hard to do until we learn somebody that we know is already doing it and they can walk you through the steps. Mm-hmm. And my assumption is that you knew her for a little bit and she probably showed you some like vo- vulnerabilities and like a well-rounded picture of herself, which may have made you go like, oh, well, you know, she's struggling. So like she couldn't, I don't know, she couldn't possibly be a millionaire. And so like, I think to think or to see her go like, oh, yep. Like you want, you get a car, you get a car. Um, (laughs) Then it's like, oh my gosh, like you're a human working through it and you've achieved it. And for me, that's, it feels approachable. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're just like a fellow human, fellow woman working through it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that we should only align with people who are making much more than us, but I think that we need to spend time talking to people that are at the type of success that we want to see. Um, and sometimes it's just taking them out to lunch. Like I met up with um, one of the biggest leaders in diversity and inclusion in Nashville. Like she's running this huge company um, and she started it from the ground up and I just wanted to learn everything from her. Um, so I took her out to lunch. I said, you pick the place. She picked a very fancy steakhouse and I was terrified because I was like, I broke, but let's do this. And I learned so much in that two hours that has completely shaped my life. Um, so being able to tap on a woman's shoulders and saying, I have so much to learn. I, I would love to support you in any way that I can. Um, but I just have so many questions. Do you think that you can lend me a little bit of your time? I'll make it worth your while. It's just, it really does make a difference and it makes, um, connections that, you know, will last you forever. Yeah. And I think what I learned about like mentorship or willingness to help, it's, so abundant. Um, I was very blessed, um, recently and someone asked me to be their mentor and I was like, Oh my God, I'm old enough. And I know more stuff to be a mentor. Oh my God. But then I was excited and I, I like planned for our meeting and I got, you know, just, just over the moon ready to help her. And, you know, she probably spent way too much time going, eh, I don't know if like Katie will have the time or if she'd be interested. And so to your point about like tapping people on the shoulder, you mm-hmm. never know, like the worst you can get is no, but more often than not, people are like, I would be honored to help you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, those people that are constantly getting um, tapped and you're like, okay, so maybe not you, but there's a lot of people that, you know, if you feel really impressed by somebody, you can just say, you know, I would just, I would love that. And, um, it's, it is an honor for a lot of people. When I started mentoring, it was huge for me to think that somebody had thought of me so highly that they would want to get my advice. And in a way that is organic, not like, um, let me get as much free advice from you as possible possible, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I really, I love what you're doing and I want to get to a place like that. Can I just please get some advice? Of course, because I want to see people win. And I think that's like something that's very innate to our nature as women. Like we just want to see each other succeed. And I'm always, I mean, I love the fellas, but I'm always rooting on women whenever I can, because I just, to see us overcome as much as we have to as women and win is so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm really grateful to be, uh, be a woman who has, you know, women friends that are, you know, going through it, experiencing it, 
for the good and bad. And just, yeah, it's such an incredible bond when you find other women who are, you know, busting their ass and, and trying to make a difference, whether it's in their own like life, you know, kids and partner, that's amazing. Or if they're doing it on a, a mega scale, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. Who run the world? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the amount of Beyonce references, I just can't. I'm so sorry. I mean, they're never wrong. It's always the right thing to do. Yeah. And if it's wrong, I don't want to be right. I agree. Yep. That was cheesy, but it's true. It's a, just, I mean, you're just spitting facts. What are you going to do about it? I know. That's all, all day. All day. Um, so one thing that we've talked about, and I think it's just like so important in the like, uh, so central to being an entrepreneur, being a woman, uh, in your case, being a person of color, um, setting boundaries mm-hmm. so that you can achieve success. And boundaries is one of my favorite topics because I am overall not great at it. And so it's like, <laughs> I'm like, please, someone tell me how to do that. Um, but we've talked a lot about learning how to say no. And uh, I, I just see a very like important visual of like the whole slingshot where you sling backwards to go forwards. And in my mind, the saying no is setting those like that pull on that slingshot to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people use it in many ways, but that's my visual right now. Um, so I'd love to hear about your journey with saying no and some of the things uh, which I you've shared is still on, you're still on that journey. Yeah. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> but um, like some of the things you think about when you're like, you know, I've got to say no, and I am terrified to do that. Yeah. I think that, you know, no is a complete sentence. Um, we don't really have to elaborate more on that. Um, it, it is something that I've, that I had struggled with most of my life. Um, I still struggle with it in some areas, especially when I really love something, but if it doesn't light me up, um, it, it's always, it's a no. Um, so I've, I really have this reputation of being a bit of a doormat and anyone could ask me to do anything and I was going to jump and do it. Like it was definitely like some people pleasing and lots of other stuff, but I just wanted to see, you know, somebody else be happy because I did the thing that they told me to do. And often mm-hmm. it would be something that I didn't enjoy doing. I just wanted to see them be like, Oh, Noel, good job. Thank you. Like I just wanted that acknowledgement. It was, you know, a waste of time, unfortunately. But with boundaries, I find that my time is important. It's the most important thing uh, that I have. I'm I'm a mother of a five-year-old who has some special needs. Um, But if it doesn't light me up anymore, I'm just not going to do it. Like, for example, I went to um, an event, um, a networking event. And when I got there, I came maybe 20 minutes later than it started. And I was seeing who came and it was four people there. And they said, oh, well, you know, in about like an hour and a half, people start showing up. That tends to be the way it happens here. And I said, you know, I don't actually care who's here. If I have to wait an hour and a half, this is taking me away from my son and it's taking me away from work. So if it's not going to help me with one of those two things, then I'm out of here. Or uh, on a more personal level, I got invited to go to a game night um, and I was all about it. Like, all right, let's do Pictionary. Let's do the thing. It was going to be a good time. What I didn't realize is that it was going to be like a World of Warcraft kind of game. And which I, and it wasn't even World of Warcraft. It was like an off brand of it. So they were explaining all the rules. And I said, you know, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not good at this. I'm going to go have a good night, everybody. And my friend who came with me was like, you can just leave. I'm like, yes, we can just go. Like, I don't have to stay here anymore. I'm straight up not having a good time anymore. Goodbye. Um, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be rude, but knowing, you know, where your limits are. And with me, it's, it's definitely my time um, or anything that I feel like is uh, unethical in any way. It's something I don't play around with. If I have to go mull something back and forth, if it's going to be okay, I, I say no. Um, also, I'm really into human design and, um, and my category is, uh, or, or my design type is manifester and our whole thing is needing to wait 
So sometimes when I get an opportunity, I'm supposed to wait before I respond and see how it feels in my body. And when my body feels like really neutral about it, then I can make a decision. But if right when it hits me, I'm like, oh, I got to get this right away or, oh, like, I don't know what's going on. If I do anything in those moments, it's always a mess, always. So I need to set up a boundary saying, hey, I need to, I need, I need a night or I need a few hours, um, or let me speak over with um, people that I care about about this before I make a decision. Um, so having that boundary has been really helpful and powerful for me too. Yeah, I, I love using your, um, you know, using these certain f- themes, like if it gets in the way of time with my son or time to build my business or it, or it makes me uncomfortable physically, Mm-hmm. Um, then it's got to go. Um, I know you and I are both um, untamed fans. Yes. And she talks about this with the um, island um, and the moat, you know, so it's like, I, you know, we're safe on our island and our boundaries are this moat that goes around the island mm-hmm. and X, Y, and Z themes cannot cross that drawbridge. I will let the drawbridge down for these things. I will not let the drawbridge down for those. And like your drawbridge trigger, one of them is time, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's like really cool to identify. And what I really like about that is with people pleasing is I always felt like saying no was like an insult to the other person. Um, but it's, you're not creating a boundary a, a personal boundary to a human being, you're creating a boundary that protects yourself, you know, and it's, um, sure it can maybe upset another person, but it's not designed for that. It's designed for like self protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely, um, self-protection. Another book that's great is a year of yes by Shonda Rhimes, where she says yes to everything for a year and sees what happens. But she says, sometimes when you say no, you're actually saying yes to yourself. And that is so true. So if you feel like, oh, you know, I really hate saying no, well, you're not saying no. Um, you're saying yes to you. And so somebody is getting a yes out of this and it just happens to be you this time. And that's something that maybe you can um, feel a little bit more comfortable with than just um, a no. So when you can see that positive side of, well, when I say no to this, this is what I gain. It makes it so much easier than I'm letting somebody down. Yeah. And I would imagine that unless you like just totally hate everything and everyone, it's always a yes to yourself. Like anytime you set a boundary, it's because you need something else. So yeah. I like yeah. it. Can't be everything to everybody. Are you, what? Oh, I can't yeah. believe it. Really? <laughs> this is a bummer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's another uh, journey that old Smitty's on right now is, uh, oh, I, I can't. Okay. All right. I will just do my best. Be everything to me. <laughs> be everything to you absolutely <laughs> it's great I do find my uh my dad jokes entertaining so it's working <laughs> out for me me myself and I <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, all who needs to matter too I love a good dad joke oh man uh I always seek out like the people in my office that are usually dads because that's where dad jokes uh, come from usually and I'm just like I make friends with like you know, the randomest people. Cause I'm like, our jokes are going to really mesh well. If it could go on a popsicle, I'm normally there. I'm like, Ooh, this is a good one. Yeah. This is a popsicle joke. I'm here for this. <laughs> like, Oh, I accidentally got a belly chuckle from that. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh my Lord. Um, well, I am just so elated by this conversation. Um, me too. Is there, is there anything else that you'd like to share about, you know, your your passions that you're um, working on right now, or what you'd really love for people to understand, whether it be around diverse, diversity and inclusion, or about um, empowerment in general, or with women? Yeah. Um, so what I say for those of you who are not really sure, like you're feeling kind of stuck. Um, is to take your time and sit with that and 
really investigate it and write about it, journal about it, meditate on it, um, learn to speak to your higher self about it, whatever it is, that stuck feeling is so essential for you to really tap into and get to know. It is one of the greatest teachers that you can have. Um, and if you don't listen to it, you get sick. It's just, it, it, it just, it's what happens. And they say, you know, dis-ease is feeling, you know, disease is dis-ease with um, stress that you're feeling. Um, and it doesn't always have to be something that dramatic, but um, for some of us, it will happen physically. For some of us, it manifests into anxiety or depression or all these different things. So like really listen to that. I feel stuck. I feel unhappy, um, consistent feeling that you need to make a shift and take even just a little tiny baby step, put the, your toe in, in the pool um, to start to figure out what that might be. And even if you take the wrong step, at least you're moving. Uh, so always keep moving. And if you need to pivot to something else, there's time to do that. But just make sure to honor yourself enough to take a movement into something that will change your life and make you into the person that you know that you can be. You can step into that person that you are, that's in your mind, the person of, of the person inside of you that has everything that you've ever wanted, that person is inside of you. But to live up to those expectations, you have to take a step out of the unstuck. Oh, that got me. <laughs> that gave me the feels. I mean, I'm here for the feels all day. Let's do the no, feels. I know. <laughs> we we knew each other in another life, and now we know each other in this one. It's yeah, it's been a great too. run. We're doing great. <laughs> I think so too. Oh, well, I think that you are so wonderful and so have so much to offer um, these companies and these individuals. And I am so excited to bear witness to this part of your journey. And um, thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so um, excited that I've had this opportunity to get to know you a little bit here. And thank you for having me on the show. This is wonderful. Absolutely. And lastly, how do people find you? Yeah. So if you are looking for career services, you can find me on anything, my interview buddy. So my interview buddy.com and you can check me out on Instagram. Um, if for diversity and inclusion services, you can go to Johnson uh, to consulting, the number two consulting.com. Um, and if you are just like, that's a lot of stuff, Noelle, like, I just want to get to you directly. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm Noelle C. Johnson on LinkedIn and I'm on there all the live long day and can talk to you about all the things. I love it. I'll also add those to my circles connected to the podcast. So they're easy to find. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'm just so honored to have you and uh, go spend some fantastic time with that sweet little boy of yours. I will. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. Right, bye. Bye.